Hi, this is Raúl. And this is Agata. And this is Saiwai. Well, today we have a topic that it's, I think, really, really interesting. And it's something that maybe it will, you know, raise a couple of questions within the Flat Earth community. <laughs> Especially because of its title. Maybe I try to do a little clickbait in the title. Since today it's called Why the Earth is not a Sphere. So, what do you think? I think it's because flat earthers are right and the earth is flat and uh, one day we will reach the end of the world and just like fall down from the big turtle. Ah, it's a turtle? Yeah, I mean like I the earth is flat, but no, there is like a turtle. Because the turtle is like walking through space. Uh, but the turtle Slowly. is... Okay, is it standing on something? No, it's a magical turtle that floats... Like it walks on space. Nice. Yeah. That'd be cool. So true. So don't say it would be cool. That's how it is. Okay. It is cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take you back again, because in this podcast we love to go back in time. Are we going back to the 90s? Uh, no, even further. We are further going back the 90s. to the 80s. But the 80s of the 17th century. Because you know that I love ancient scientists. They were all a bunch of drama queens and half of them were really crazy because they were, I don't know, inhaling opium and mm. stuff. So The regular stuff at the time. Yeah, I mean, opium was like pretty easy to find, I guess. You know, you would like go to your local opium shop. <laughs> I'm getting, you know, some Jack the Ripper vibes here. <laughs> Okay, let me take you back to the year 1687. Okay. Okay. 87, yes, 1687. Mm -hmm. When Newton, the famous Isaac Newton. The apple guy. The apple guy, exactly. The original apple guy. The OG okay. apple. He published a book that it was, oh my, it was really uh, all the scientists. It was a banger. It was such a banger, indeed. All the scientists were losing their shit. It was called, it had the, the amazing, attractive title of Philosophiae Naturalis Principia Mathematica, mm. which in English would translate as Mathematical Principles of Natural Philosophy. Crazy. Known for friends as just Principia. Mm. Okay, only Principia, like uh, Madonna. All the cool people would yeah, say Principia. Like Cher, you know, so mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. Prince, Elvis, so Principia, okay? In this book, he predicted that the Earth, it was rotating in, you know, on its own axis. Mm -hmm. The Earth was rotating, you know, around itself. And that would make that the Earth was not a sphere, as it was thought. It was a little flat in the poles and a little more, no, a little wider in the equator. So you're trying to tell me that the Earth is not flat. Is No, no, it's not flat. It has It's more... not only not flat, but it's also not a perfect circle. No, it's kind of like an egg. How am I supposed to believe that? It's like an egg, a little like an egg. Okay. But like an egg on the side. Yeah, like a laying egg. Okay. Okay. But that, that was the, the thing, because back in the day, people didn't know whether it was like an egg standing mm -hmm. or like an egg laying horizontally, okay? okay? So Newton said that it was like an egg laying horizontally because it was a little flat in the poles, mm -hmm. a little wider in the equator. And other fellas said that it was exactly the opposite. <laughs> now, 
who was right. Newton was famous because he was like, guys, this is my opinion. And he, he was, you know, he, he knew his self-worth. He wouldn't argue, you know. You would go and be like, bro, you're mistaken. And he was like, no, maybe, who knows. And that was it. So. Yeah, he wouldn't argue. It was He was such a He took no shit from the hate. Exactly. And this was in dispute with what another astronomer with the amazing name of Giovanni Domenico Cassini. <laughs> Giovanni. You tell me that you are named Giovanni Domenico Cassini and either you are uh, you know, soap opera actor or astronomer. There's <laughs> nothing in between. So he did not agree with what Newton said and he said that it was flatter in the equator because he had actually measured it. He made measurements on the ground mm-hmm. and his measurements said that it was actually... No more uh, narrow in the equator. That's a lot of measurements. Yeah, it was insane. It was done in France. You know that France was, like, powerful back in the day. Not that nowadays it's not powerful, France, but, you know. like, wasn't on the equator. No. But he, okay. did, he did his measurements on Fran- French ground, okay? Like, now, let me explain you. The trust thing, me, bro. The thing here is that this dispute lasted about 50 years because they observed that the pendulum will oscillate differently in the equator. What is a pendulum? A pendulum, like uh, this uh, device that... Uh, like a clock? That know? it's like... that they will use to make you... go into hypnosis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ah. Exactly. Wow, the level. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. This pendulum is this device that has a little weight on the end of a rope mm-hmm. and is attached on one end. So then the weight is oscillating from one end to the other, okay? Mm-hmm. So they observed that a pendulum would oscillate differently in the equator of the planet mm-hmm. than it would do in the northern countries, okay. okay? And also they noticed that objects would weight differently in what? different places. What? Are you trying to tell me that I'm skinny somewhere? Not that you are skinny, but that... <laughs> You have yeah. you have less weight in the equator, okay? So they noticed that the same object with the same mass had different weight if you weighted it in Germany than if you weighted it in uh, Central Africa. It had different weight, and that was it. There, there was no possible explanation, and this puzzled the, the scientists what, what for years. What was the years. difference, more or less? I don't know, a few grams. Ah, I thought that, like, you know, that few kilo. Few, few <laughs> grams can be a huge difference if you are measuring things like nitroglycerin. Mm, okay? I'm so, thinking more about, like, human body. Yeah, I mean, if you put a few more grams of pasta, then it doesn't matter, no? <laughs> I always put too many grams of pasta anyway. So, to settle this matter, because they were, you know, like, getting, getting pissed, okay? So, to settle this matter, the French Academy of Sciences decided to make two measurements, okay? Mm-hmm. One measurement would be done in the North Pole, or as close to the North Pole as possible, and the other would be done in the equator, Mm -hmm. or as close to the equator as possible. They figured that the distance between those two locations would be big enough to not influence in the measurements. They had to send two expeditions, one to the North Pole, another to the equator, and they had to measure the degree of a meridian and then compare. You know what is a meridian? Something with the sun, how it hits the earth? N- no. <laughs> <Okay>. that's, <laughs> not, <laughs> that's not it. Okay, a meridian, when you have the earth, imagine that the earth is like a basketball. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you take a pen mm-hmm. and you draw a line all around the basketball mm-hmm. from the uh, one point, go all the way around it, mm-hmm. and then you will end up in the same place as you started, yes. right? That is a meridian. Okay. It's as if you could flatten the earth and make it a circle. Well, I'm pretty sure I would know the word in Polish, but... For sure it's pretty similar, I guess. I don't know, but meridian, okay? So a meridian would be this circle that you can draw around the earth. Mm -hmm. And every circle has 360 degrees, Yes. right? So they wanted to measure one degree of that circle. Mm -hmm. Because then you can multiply by 360 and then you know how much is the circumference around the Earth, right? Cool. But the point here is that that would only work if the Earth is a perfect sphere. But if the Earth was flatter in the poles or flatter in the equator, the two measurements would be different. Mm -hmm. And that would settle the matter once and for all. Okay. Okay, so they decided, guys, let's do this. And the thing with all the scientists is that if they had a solution that was simple and a solution that was weirdly complicated, they would always choose the weirdly complicated one. Okay? They were a bit extra, okay? Oh, yeah. Like, we have to give it to them. At least now we have interesting things to talk about. So the North Pole expedition, they decided to go to Lapland. Yay! Yay! To, with, meet, with Santa. to meet Santa. <laughs> so they left Paris in April 1736 and they arrived back in Paris from Lapland in August 1737. Okay, so... Wait, because we started in 1880. 18... No, in 16. Ah. 1680. Remember? 1687? Oh, okay, okay, okay. In 1687, Newton said that the Earth was not a sphere. Okay, so it took them some time to. It took them about 50 little less than one year. And, by the way, one of the leaders of the expedition was Anders Celsius, the guy of the thermometer. Ooh! Yay! Okay, so, they went to Lapland, did their measurement of the arc of the meridian, okay? And that was it. They came back with their data, perfect. The other expedition decided to go to Peru, which Peru is as close to the equator as they could get. Now, one might think, why it matters that they get close to the equator, right? Because they could have done their measurement in France instead of going to Peru, and still the two measurements would be different, Mm, right? So, yeah, anyway, they decided to go to Peru. They left Paris in April 1735, and they arrived in Peru in June 1736. (laughs) So it took them over a year to get there. It took them almost a year to get there. And they were gone... In Peru, mm-hmm. they were gone for seven years. Wow. Seven years, okay? That's a very long <laughs> seven, seven years is like... <laughs> seven years is what you are in high school, probably. Imagine mm-hmm. all the things mm-hmm. that you have gone country. through in high school. Well, maybe not in this country, but in my country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything that could go wrong for seven years went wrong. <laughs> it was horrible. Like... All the bad things that could happen to them happened to them, okay? It was the worst. Let me tell you. The expedition was led by these fellas. Louis 
Godin, I don't know, I don't speak French, so let's say that, let's call him Godin, Pierre Bouguer and Charles-Marie Le Condamine. Those were the three heads. Charles-Marie? Charles-Marie. Yeah. You know, they were all scientists, so they had to sound impressive. But it was more than just those three guys. Yeah, 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 no, these oh. were the heads of the expedition, these three guys. They left Paris in April, and they met in Cartagena, Cartagena, Murcia, in Ooh. Spain, ole, in November. They left Paris in April so, and they arrived to Cartagena in November. How? I don't know. They were not really good explorers. They were like walking from Paris to Spain. I mean, like, yeah. I know it was different century, but like... Probably they were, you know, in this um, carriage. carriage. Yeah. And they, shady. they met in Cartagena in November with two Spanish officers from the Navy mm -hmm. that would go with them. This was a political arrangement only because back in the day, Peru was under Spanish rule. Olé. So they, they needed Spanish permission. Mm -hmm. And the Spanish crown wouldn't let some French enter in their territory so, no. overseas, in their colony, without the supervision of some Spanish officers. Mm -hmm. So these two officers went with them. We will later talk about them because, oh my God, what happened? <laughs> it, it's insane. So let's start with Louis Godin. He was 31 years old when he left. And he was the son of a very respectable lawyer. Doesn't sound bad. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. And he went, he did his job in the expedition. But after the expedition finished, seven years later, mm -hmm. they were gone for seven years. I mean, he decided to stay in South America and do scientific research. He said, I'm not going back. Uh, fuck it. He didn't cross <laughs> half the world to just come back, you know? So he stayed to do scientific research. But the French society did not agree for him to stay there. So they stopped paying him his salary. Mm -hmm. So he had to use his own savings to stay there, which eventually they finished and he was broke. Well, not he was, so then. He was broke in a foreign country Find a job, across the maybe? world. So luckily, he was very good mathematician. So he was named maths professor and major cosmologist. Okay. Major cosmologist, which implies the existence of a minor cosmologist, I guess. <laughs> in the University of San Marcos. And while he was there, he survived an earthquake in Lima, Lima, the capital of Peru, mm -hmm. in Lima in 1746. He survived an earthquake, which was like, oof, that earthquake uh, made him think, okay, maybe I will leave this country. So then he left because he was scared of the earthquake. And he came back to France in 1751. And then there was an earthquake. And then he discovered that since there was no money in his account, he, the French society had removed his membership and he had even thought to be dead. So he was declared dead. Because, <laughs> I mean, he was not... Because he's been gone for... He was not answering the calls. Years. Exactly. So he was gone for, like, I don't know, a long time. So everyone thought that he was dead and they had forgotten about him. So uh, his family had taken all his money <sighs> and used it to invest in crazy businesses that, of course, they went broke. So, wow. <laughs> after being gone for such a long time, he arrived back to France to discover that his family had, you know, wasted all his money and he had literally nothing. He was not even a scientist of the French society. Wow. So, he was like, ah, fuck, now what? You know, I mean, this expedition costed him everything that he had in his life. He was, you know, luckily appointed president of the Naval Academy of Cadiz thanks to the friendship that he made with these naval officers that mm -hmm. went with them. Remember them? Yeah. So he was appointed president of this uh, naval academy in Cadiz. 
And in 1755, he traveled to Portugal, where he survived another earthquake. <laughs> I knew that there would be another earthquake. <laughs> and then is when we lost track of him. Nothing yeah. else Nothing else is known after that. Did he die? It, or... is, it is thought that he stayed as president of the Naval Academy and, you know, for the rest of his life. And he had apparently no other... No, special data or success or anything like that. Very low profile after that. Okay. However, for this French expedition, which, by the way, had the official name of the Geodesic Expedition, oui, oui. he recommended that his cousin, Jean Godin, will go with him. Mm -hmm. Okay? So he went to Peru to do these measurements with his cousin. Now, the story of his cousin is really amazing. His cousin Jean joined the expedition, okay, and he was, you know, a young man, and he was there only because his cousin was one of the heads of the expedition. <laughs> so he was like, oh, come on, cousin, come, gonna be fun. So he went. It was everything but fun for him. <laughs> it was <laughs> fucking horrible and a terrible nightmare. The team, let me remind you, that it was in Peru, these French scientists, doing their measurements of the degree of the meridian, from 1736 to 1744. Okay? Yes. Remember those years. 36, 44. During this time, he met a girl. Mm, of course he did. Uh -huh. For sure they met a lot of girls. Yeah. Well, they were, you know, fancy scientists from overseas. The, foreigners. Extranjero. Uh, exactly. So, uh, he met a girl named Isabel Grameson, who was the daughter of Pedro Grameson y Bruno, manager of the city of Riobamba, which was a Spanish colony. Okay? Okay, should it tell me anything? Well, he was a hotshot mm -hmm. from a rich family and had a beautiful daughter. And when, and when Jean Gonan saw her, he was like, oh yes, this is the oh, one. Marry her. She was 13 years old. <gasps> oh, not that fun anymore, eh? Jean, how about you put a stick up your ass? So, he told the rest of the science team to go fuck themselves and he ran away with this girl and with, you know, had the intention to marry her. They were deeply in love. Mm -hmm. So much. So, they As actually... you usually are with a 13-year-old. They actually ran away. He left the team and could not be, you know, convinced to come back. Mm -hmm. And then he accepted a position as professor of astronomy and natural science in Quito. They married in December 1741, when she was 14 years old. Wow! And the guy, was in, the guy was in his 30s. Okay? Of course he was. Of course. I'm and sure he was not there. Jean, as I tell you, he never came back with the team. He was like, ah, fuck it, eh, whatever your expedition, I don't care. So they were married and... Then, two years later, mm -hmm. now we do like a jump in time, and two years later, he decided that he didn't want to be a professor in the University of Quito anymore. He quitted his position because the money of the family of his wife was enough to sustain both of them comfortably. And then he was like, why would I work if I have money? <laughs> I mean, obvio. obvio. So he decided that he can focus only in his scientific research. So now it is the year 1749. Mm-hmm. Long after the expedition finished. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So his dad had died, so he decided that he had to come back to France 
with his family mm-hmm. because his dad had died. So he said to his wife, Isabel, Isabel, let's go to France because my dad is dead. And she was like, okay, uh, Vamos. So, so let's go, you know. So they actually decided to go. But, you know, this is the 18th century. It's not that easy to travel. It's not like, eh, call the, I don't know, ancient Uber, the <laughs> <laughs> proto-Uber, and let's go. No, it, it was not like that. It was actually really difficult and very hard way. So what he planned was to travel alone from Quito mm-hmm. to Cayenne in the French Guayana. Okay. So he decided to travel to Cayenne alone, crossing the French Guayana via the Amazon River to test if the journey was hard or no, how hard it was the journey. But I hope he was like going in a one-person kayak in the Amazon River. I don't know. He was probably, you know, using like horse kayak or something. He was a fancy boy, so maybe like an actual boat. What he wanted was to test if the trip was safe to be done with his wife and his children, Mm -hmm. because he had two kids with her, and make the necessary arrangements with the French authorities to guarantee their safe passage back to France. Sure. Okay. The problem here is that once he arrived to Cayenne in the French Guayana, he saw that the Portuguese and the Spanish colonial authorities would not let him cross the territory. Because he was a French crossing Portuguese and Spanish territories. So they were like, oh, oh, mister, where are you going? And he was like, no, but I want to cross to come back to France. I was like, "Mm, suspicious. What is a French guy doing here? In the middle of the Amazon River? Are you sure you're not a spy? So they wouldn't let him cross through their territories. He didn't want to come back to France. I mean, he could have gone through other ways, but this was the safest way. So he didn't want to come back to France without his family, obviously. So he was like, okay. So then he stayed in the French Guayana as a resident, not really a citizen, mm-hmm. and where the authorities could keep an eye on him. Lord. And obviously he didn't come back because the trip was hard. It was difficult. It took him several months to, to arrive to the French Guayana. So he stayed there writing plea after plea to France to you know, make someone convince the authorities exactly to pick him up to convince the authorities that he can cross okay it's your boy Jean (laughs) so he he wanted he only wanted to come back to Riobamba but he found himself in a situation in which he was kind of trapped in this French Guayana Mm -hmm. where he couldn't go to France they wouldn't allow him to leave the French Guayana to come back to Riobamba with his wife Plus, the way was really hard. So he was literally trapped there. Remember uh, Charles-Marie de la Condamine? Mm, oui, okay, oui. that fella. La Condamine eventually wrote on his behalf mm-hmm. to the Portuguese king because mm-hmm. la Condamine was, he was a military officer. Ah. So he had power, he was high rank. So he knew the fellas, he had influence. So la Condamine wrote on behalf he of Godin. Some Exactly, to the French king, oui, sorry, the French king, no, the Portuguese king, so the king would let Godin cross the territory so he can, you know, go back to France. The king was like, hmm, now it's a good thing to be friends with the French. So he was like, okay, I give you my permission. And not only that, but in the year 1765, 65, exactly. I mean, that is a long time. What? 
So he left in... Godin's dad died in 49. And now we are already in the year 65 that he was trapped in the what French Guayana without his family, all alone, okay? What? Just trying to get out. Yeah. So... Uh, Those were the days. Mm-hmm, indeed. So in the year 65, the king ordered a ship with 30 sailors to take Godin back to his wife. <laughs> okay? Godin... But a useless trip. He didn't like Portuguese at all. And he had written a lot of insults <laughs> against the Portuguese in the shape of letters that he was, you know, mailing to everyone who was interested to read them. <laughs> so he was suspicious that the Portuguese king... After not letting me passing through his territory, would now order a ship with 30 sailors? That is super expensive. So he was like, hmm, suspicious. So when it was the time to cross the Amazon, he left. He left in the first port and they couldn't find him. He was just like, oh, I will leave now because they will probably take me to jail. You know? So he thought that he was going to... No, be thrown in jail. So he left. The fucking Portuguese king and Lacan Domine were like, yeah. I mean, really, Jean. So the the captain of the ship knew that he had left, and he was like, "It's not my job to find him. My job, no babysitting. My job is to take this ship all the way up through the Amazon to Riobamba to meet his wife, and he did so." Mm-hmm. And so he did. He took the ship and he was waiting there for years. What? For years, the ship was waiting in Riobamba for the wife of Godin. What? Okay. What? Oh, those were the days. I mean, like, what the fuck? I don't know. It was just like that. For years. <laughs> okay, people lived for like 50 years if you were lucky and then... They would spend four years just waiting for someone's wife oh. to say, like, oh, you know your husband? We don't have him. Those 50 years were full of adventures, though. So, when <laughs> Isabel, wife of Godin, heard the rumor that the ship was waiting for her to take her all the way down the Amazon, she sent a servant named Joaquin. She sent Joaquin and a couple of other servants to investigate whether it was true or not. Turned out that it was true. The party, this uh, Joaquin and another uh, servants, took them two years to get there, <laughs> to get there to confirm it, and then back again, okay, <laughs> while the ship was waiting, and they eventually came back and were like, Isabel, it is true, the ship is there waiting for you. But they didn't know that her husband was not there. Okay. Okay? So, they... Communication. They packed... And, you know, they did their, their luggage and they were like, okay, let's go. The thing is that Isabel's father, Don Pedro, what a name, eh? Don Pedro. Don Pedro. Ole. So uh, he went ahead to the ship to make arrangements for Isabel. Mm-hmm. And since he was alone traveling, he would travel much farther. O sea, I mean, faster. much faster. It, would take, it wouldn't take him two fucking years, okay? So now we jump to 1st of October... 1769. It's been already, how long? 20 years since the dad of Godin died and he decided to go to France. Probably the rest of the family was long dead as well. So, (laughs) uh, now we are in the year 69 in October when Isabel, with another 40 people, servants, also were, you know, like uh, her her sons, no. So, they decided to go to the ship, they packed their luggage, and they left to go to the ship. 
it was not that easy because they had to cross the Andean mountains and the Amazon basin, which was not only hard because the area was really, really tough to cross, you know, because it's geographically challenging, but also there was an outburst of smallpox. Okay. Of course, there was. <laughs> of course, because, you know, here we are. So, while they were, you know, trying to cross the Andean mountains, there were these two native, you know, native... Uh, I don't know how is the name of the tribe, but they were natives from Peru mm-hmm. who decided to help them in exchange of, uh, of course, of uh, rewards, I mean, obviously, no? as part of their servants, to take them and, you know, uh, sail in the canoe down the Amazon River. I don't know if you know, but the Amazon River is hard as fuck, okay? And they were <laughs> I in can a, imagine. And they were in a little canoe that they said, bro, trust me, no problem, we can cross it, okay? It's fine, it's fine. Well, it was not fine, <laughs> turns out that the canoe proved to be impossible to manage in the Amazon. And these two Indians Shocking. were not even especially, you know, very good at sailing in a canoe. So what they did when they saw what they got themselves into, they were like, ah, and they ditched them. Left them, abandoned them, and they were like, ah, fuck it, goodbye. Okay? So when the natives abandoned them, other tragedies happened because they didn't know how to manage a canoe. Even one of the servants <laughs> drowned trying to Only reach... One? Trying to reach someone else's hut that was lost in the river. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. The sacrifice. Insane. Eventually, they ran out of supplies, so they had to set camp, and they decided to send two men forward alone and find help and come back. However, in the meantime, the insects were biting them, <laughs> and these bites got infected and killed all of them. All of them, except <laughs> Isabel and her servant Eloise. However, Eloise ran, out, ran off in the middle of the night and was never seen again. We, we don't know what happened to her because she, she disappeared. She got eaten by a wild animal. Probably. When these two people that were sent further came back at the camp, they found only the bodies of the deceased travelers. <laughs> no? They sent word of her death to Don Pedro. News, which later reached Godin. So now, that of Isabel and her husband, mm-hmm. Godin, they thought that now she was dead. Mm-hmm. So all this shit was for nothing. <laughs> it's, just, it's so ridiculous. However, that was not what happened. Because what happened actually was that Isabel was wandering alone in the jungle, starving for nine days, until, you know, she, well, she was getting a little crazy, and she met four natives who offered her help to reach Cayenne. Then, they, I mean, they actually helped her, and she was able to reach the ship mm-hmm. with the help of these natives. And the story on how she made her way through the Amazon jungle, killing 40 people on the way... Including her own children. Including her own children, it became famous. However, this has a happy ending, because on 22nd of July, 1770, mm-hmm. Isabel and Jeanne were reunited in the town of Oyapok after more than 20 years of you know being separated. And they remain in Cayenne for a few more years, because after that, I guess that you are pretty tired (laughs) and you want to chill. And then it is known that on 21st of April, 1773, Isabel, her husband and her father decided to leave Guayana and finally they made their way to France. And they both died in France in 1792. All of this wouldn't have happened if the cousin didn't agree 
to go on the motherfucking French expedition to Peru to measure how big is the earth. Or if he wouldn't run off with a 13-year-old girl. Another head of the expedition was Pierre Bouguer. He was 37. Oh, what an old fella. His dad was a professor of hydrography. And it is known him. I mean, he, Pierre, was known to be the brightest mind of his generation. He was so good that when his dad retired as professor, he took his job when he was 15 years old. Wow. Insane. Yeah, he was, he was amazing. When he was 29, he won an award of the Scientific Academy with Leonard Euler. Euler, another very famous mathematician. And he won another two awards for his doctoral thesis. But the weird thing about him is that he loved long titles. So, for example, uh, one of his papers is known on the best method this far to observe the height of the stars in the sea. And another is on the best method this far to observe the variation of the compass in the sea. He, he really liked long titles. On the okay? best method this far to write a very long title for <laughs> a very simple topic. Exactly. And then, well, he of course joined this Peruvian expedition, because why not? Because he was so bright. And he was away for 10 years. What could go wrong? He was gone for 10 years doing research. For 10 years on a 7-year expedition. Exactly. He was, you know, he did 3 more, because why not? And then he published a book with his all his research and all his findings. The book is this thick. It's, it's super, super long. And of course, it has a very long title. And the first... Two pages is the title. Well, the title is insane. It's called The Figure of the Earth Determined Through the Observations of Monsieur Bouguer and Le Condamine of the Royal Academy of Scientists sent by the king to Peru to observe around the equator with an abbreviated relation of this trip which contains the description of the country in which the operations were made. That's the title. It sounds like a, you know, like a abstract. Yeah, he, he was a strange man. Another of the heads was Le Condamine. Le Condamine? Yeah, he was 34. He was military official by career, but a scientist in heart. Oh. He was famous for being, you know, having a really strong character and being basically an asshole. Hmm. Okay, he, he was such an idiot. A military service. He was such an idiot that already in the start of, at the beginning of the trip, he argued with the two Spanish officials, which were going with them. Those naval officers. Those naval officers. Uh -huh that were supposed to safeguard their access to Peru. They were like their hosts. Mm -hmm. And he already argued with them at the beginning of the trip just because he didn't agree with their opinions on the pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> what was their opinion? I, I, I don't know. They were talking about the pyramids and he was like, oh, you're such idiot, you know? You don't do that to the fella that is supposed to say... Yeah, you this don't guy, say it to a Spanish the, man. Well, to begin with, you don't say that to anyone, but... Especially over something like the pyramids, so yeah. what the fuck, you know? But even less to the military official that is supposed to take you to the country where you want to do scientific research. So, well, already that. When they arrived in Peru, he somehow, we don't know how, he provoked the locals and they had to run away from the village where they were staying, chased by a mob <laughs> armed with sticks and stones... Sticks <laughs> and stones might break your bones, <laughs> Mr. Locondami. I don't know, he made them he made the locals angry and you know they changed them they you know were, How did did he even speak their language? I don't know, maybe it was wow. um, you know maybe misunderstood. He didn't, I he have didn't no idea. Like what they thought about the pyramids. <laughs> so uh, after that he had to leave the mission, the expedition, for eight months to sort out their passport with the local authorities. Why? Because the local authorities 
couldn't believe that a group of French had crossed half the world mm-hmm. to do measurements that they could have done in France. Spice. So, I mean, they were like, why would you come to Peru to do the measurements that you could do in France? Like, what, what is the point? Because we had the funds. I don't know. It was weird. And later, he argued with the other two heads of the expedition. Of course he did. Godin and Bouguer, eventually leaving them and continuing the research on his, you know, on his own, alone. Finally, he finished, he came back to Paris on 1744, and he published a lot of research that he had done, you know, on the go, including the discovery of rubber mm. and the use of quinine to treat malaria, which remained oh. as the main treatment against malaria for 200 years. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, he was an idiot, but he was a smart idiot, yeah. okay? Maybe he was right about the pyramids. Maybe, I don't know. But you know that it's very easy to argue with Spanish. Also. So, <laughs> yeah. However, this expedition was cursed. Because with them came other... I mean, it's other... already <laughs> sounds cursed. With them, other scientists went along, of course. Mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they were not only these four guys. You know, there were more people. But they all followed similar luck. For example, the doctor of the expedition was murdered because of misunderstanding with a woman. Probably a jealous husband. Okay? Mm-hmm. The botanist... For sure he was just examining her. Well, he's a doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He must have touched the breast. I mean, don't you know, know the medicine? Well, I guess, you know, like, you know, learn by doing, I guess. The botanist of the expedition went crazy due to the altitude and the humidity and Aww. the general conditions of the jungle and the mountain, to which, I you know, he was not accust- accustomed because he was a refined French. He had to be hospitalized in an asylum. Oh. Yeah. And other scientists also died of different sicknesses, fevers. Uh, some of them were falling down the mountains and they just break all their bones. Stuff like that. However, among all this bad luck, where everything went wrong, the most fortunate was, of course, the Spanish official. Of course. Okay. His name was Jorge Juan Isantacilla. He was 23 years old. And he was not there to do measurements by himself, but he was like, I will try, why not? So he actually helped to do the measurements, and his measurements were the most accurate of all the other <laughs> measurements that were done. Okay? All the geniuses and some <laughs> Spanish uh, teenagers doing the job. Exactly. He did the measurement of the degree of the meridian, but he was only a guest mm-hmm. in the party. So he got no recognition for it. Aww. He just, you know, did the measurement, helped, and they were like, uh, thank you, bro, I will take it from here. Okay? So he received no recognition for it. However, we know that he helped and that his measurement was the most accurate. And eventually, his measurement of the degree of the meridian was used to determine the distance of one meter, mm-hmm. which is the basis of the uh, international system of units. Mm-hmm. Okay? Well his, done, his career, the career of this boy, was is really long and complicated, but very successful, very interesting, but not scientific, only military. And it's so interesting that at some point he was even a spy for the Spanish crown in the British we Navy. We knew it. I mean, they knew that there are spies out there. But he was a spy in the British Navy. He learned, in, he taught himself English to be a spy in the British Navy. Really interesting fella. But that, Google was, him. that was his luck. What was his name? His name was uh, Jorge Juan y Santacilla. So Google him. Yeah, it, it's really cool. His, his Wikipedia page mm-hmm. is a long ride. Another of the fellas that went with them, the other naval mm-hmm. officer, other Spanish. Uh, another fa- Spanish was Antonio de Ulloa, who was 19. 
19 years old. And when he arrived in Peru, he was imprisoned due to discrepancies with the president of the court of Quito, which is some kind of judge. Okay. okay. When and then arguing about pyramids, he, I believe. He was imprisoned for the whole duration of the expedition. Wow. <laughs> so he was in jail for like seven years. Okay. So good that he got out at the time to Yeah, at least he catch got a fever or something. No? Yeah. So uh, when he was coming back to Europe, his ship had to leave the other ships of the expedition mm -hmm. because there was a breakdown. So while repairing the ship, he was, remember, he was not a prisoner anymore, no? Mm -hmm. Eventually he got released. But while repairing the ship, they were attacked by British pirates mm -hmm. and he was imprisoned again. Ooh. Okay? He was released from the British prison in 1746 and came back to Spain after being away for 11 years, seven of which spent in jail. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> He was later named captain, he was sent to America again to collect scientific works, and in his trip he discovered platinum. Oh! Nice, eh? So, well yeah, pretty, pretty cool for him. It was not bad. The most successful were not the scientists. Indeed. Why am I not shocked? I, I, I don't know, because, I don't know, it, it was a strange trip. To sum up, because maybe you got lost in all these adventures. Yeah, like... They had to prove whether Newton was right or wrong, mm -hmm. if the Earth was flat in the poles or not. Okay? Did they manage to actually prove anything? They, they did, but listen. They Oof. had chosen, to do their measurements, one of the hardest places on Earth to cross. So hard, in fact, that even the mules and the horses and the natives, sometimes they couldn't work their way through it. And their measurements sometimes had to wait for weeks because the Peruvian mountains are known to be covered in very thick fog and you cannot see your hands. Wow. Okay, so sometimes the measurements had to just, just do wait. Do it like you got all the way to Peru. How about you just do it in the, I don't know, like the port? You get out of the ship, you rent a house and you're like, okay, measurement. Woo. Bro, they could have done it in one of the French colonies in Africa. I mean, they could How have about done that? It anyway. Because that I is also close it, to the that know. is also close to the equator, and they wouldn't have problem with passport, language, port authorities. They could have gone to the French colony in Africa. I mean, so we don't know. It's it's strange. So they adventure. had to they had to fight the elements, the jungle, the diseases, the animals, away from supplies and communications, facing a lot of troubles and often death. Often, yeah. They spent almost 10 years to find out that they were mistaken. <laughs> And that Newton was right all along, that the Earth is flattening the poles and widening the equator, as he predicted almost 60 years earlier, while he was just sitting in his office in Cambridge. And he was like, guys, I, I told you. I just told you, you know? But before they arrived to France, these uh, researchers, before they arrived, they received news that another team had done the exact same measurements in Scandinavia, And already published them. <laughs> so after so many adversities, they were not even the first ones to publish it. Oh. And that is the amazing story on how they proved that the Earth is not really a sphere. Very similar to a sphere. They proved that Newton was right all along. And they faced so many problems. How, you know, they got so many people killed. <laughs> and the insane so adventures they had to go through. Just, you know, everything for nothing. I mean, it was I mean, completely useless. I mean, it was entertaining <laughs> and like for sure they were like, hey, we have money, what do we do with that? Sure, cool. But I wouldn't want to be 
<laughs> involved in that story in any way. It was it was pretty insane. And the worst thing is that if only it had you know been useful for anything. Yeah. But like it that. wasn't. It was terrible and totally useless. Like you can go through so much trouble, but like the, the feeling that at the end of the road there is something for you like there's like someone waiting for you in Paris and they're like yes you helped us maybe it's not what you intended but you've proven something no nah 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 totally cool for cool nothing cool but <laughs> you know like no one cares anymore yeah we moved on from the topic mm-hmm, exactly nah. and that is the story of this week I hope that you enjoyed. I enjoyed. I enjoyed. But for sure, Jean Godin did not enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jean Godin. At least he had a happy ending. Oh, I must go Imagine, that guy. bro, being away 20 years, trying to just get to your country. It's terrible. Let's finish here. While you're waiting for the next episode, you can check out our Instagram at sci.y.podcast. Yes, we're sharing there some small whys about some interesting topics and sometimes we share some funny memes. Follow us. Tell your friends also. Yes, we would appreciate that. Yeah. And that would be it. And we will hear you next week. Yes, so Jenki Pa. Jenki Pa.